Soccer and Snow and Smoke rolling on. We're coming to the end of our World Cup group previews as we're watching the France and Australia game wrap up here on Tuesday afternoon. 4-1 win for France and one of the pre-tournament favorites. Looking really good, but if you've been listening to these previews all along, we appreciate that. And we're at the end here covering groups G and H with me, Ross McMoneys, who's a great soccer coach in the area. Ross has uh, been on this podcast a couple times before, back when he was the executive director of Missoula Strikers, and then also came on a little bit after that as well. But Ross, thanks for coming on. What have you been up to, my man? Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm super excited to be here, as always. It's it's always a lot of fun, um, and I enjoy catching up with you, especially at this time of year with what's going on right now. Um, really excited to get into that, watch some games. Um, personally, I... You know, took a break from strikers. Um, you know, lightened my load. Um, took took some time off to, for myself, and now I'm excited and energized to really throw myself into coaching. Um, you know, and developing my craft. That's what I love to do. I love spending time on the field. So, really looking forward to committing myself to that. I'm coaching two ODP teams, two Missoula Strikers teams. Um, I'm working on a little coaching company thing for myself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I got my fingers in a lot of different things right now and, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, exciting to hear. Happy to have Ross staying in the game here in Missoula. He's a great soccer coach. This is Soccer and Snow and Smoke, the soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. I'm Andrew Houghton. Our World Cup previews on Soccer and Snow and Smoke have been brought to you as always by Canby Tap House and Coffee, Zootown Sports Cards, as well as Blackfoot Communications. Couldn't do this without our sponsors and we're happy to announce exciting thing here on soccer and snow and smoke we've got a giveaway going for you here here's what we've got we've got a gift card to canby tap house and coffee we've got a selection of packs containing world cup cards from zootown sports cards they were kind enough to donate that we might have a couple more things in there but right now we've got a gift card from canby tap house and some packs of cards from zootown sports cards and i've actually got a pack I think of the Panini World Cup cards here that Ross is going to open right now on this podcast. So there'll be a couple of those in this giveaway as well. But uh, we got a pack for, for Ross McMoney's to rip as well. So let's see what we get out of there. Yeah, let's see what's in here. Ooh, all, all glossies. Nice sh- shiny silvers. Yep, these uh, are the Panini Prism cards, which are like the Topps Chrome cards. All of these, uh, the cards that were given away will have players in their national team jerseys. Sort of Road to the World Cup cards. Wow, the, these just take me back to my youth. I remember being like a, you know, a 7th, 8th grader and the World Cup comes around and you collect these and you go to school and on at recess you're switching them out and, you know, trading and stuff with buddies. This one I would be super happy with. I got, opened this up, I've got Luka Modric, I've got uh, Kevin De Bruyne, and, Oh, man, what a player. Super happy with that one. Those two in the same group, which we just talked about with yeah. Chris Chitovitsky, Group F, Belgium and Croatia facing off against each other. Felix Torres. I have uh, uh, Christian Eriksen in here with Peter Schmeichel. That's a, a kind of dual representation for Denmark. Um, Matt Turner. Hey, USA. Yep, and then Mbolo. Well, if you want the chance to win some of those cards yourself, here's how you're going to enter our World Cup giveaway on soccer and snow and smoke. Text us, 406-888-1029. Text in at any time who you think is going to win the World Cup. And then as a tiebreaker, who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot in the World Cup? 
You don't have to pick right just in case we don't get anybody who predicts correctly, but that'll enter you. Any prediction, text me 406-888-1029. That'll enter you in our Soccer and Snow and Smoke World Cup giveaway. We've got some packs of World Cup cards from Zootown Sports Cards as well as a $25 gift card to Canby Tap House and Coffee. Many thanks to our sponsors, Zootown Sports Cards, Canby Tap House and Coffee, as well as Blackfoot Communications. Ross, let's get things started here. couple things let's. before we go into this group. Your reaction from the U.S. game yesterday. You know what? The U.S. really surprised me. I think I might have told you this before, but um, my, when I first moved to the States, my wife um, asked me how long it, I thought it would take for the, world, the U.S. to win a World Cup or at least be close and be competitive. And, and back then, it was 2010, and I said probably about 20 years. And she looked at me like I was crazy, you know, and we're not too far into that. And the U.S. are really starting to get close. Like, I, I, I was super impressed with how they played in that first half against Wales yesterday. Wales made some adjustments and came back stronger in the second half, but I was really, really impressed with how the U.S. team moved that ball and cycled it into open space and little intricate combinations and one-twos. And they were, they played really, really attractive soccer. And I haven't seen that from the United States in, in a very long time, if not ever. Honestly, it was really good stuff in the first half. I thought Christian Pulisic, especially on the ball, he looked excited. He looked ready to take players on. And of course, he creates the goal for Tim Way. And it feels bad for the U.S. because of the way they let it slip there in the second half. But that first half was a really good soccer. And it's a good result against a team like Wales, who's got not only Gareth Bale, who's the big name, but also they've got players playing in all the big leagues in Europe. Yeah, you know, it's not a terrible start. It's really important in this competition to to get off to a solid start and a solid performance and a and a 1-1 tie against Wales, who frankly, they have a really solid team too. I you know, when they were doing the national anthem and went through all of those faces, I was like, "Wow, they they actually have a really strong team." And if they can pull it together, there's there's nothing to stop them qualifying from that group either, but you know, I would put the US above them just from what I've saw saw from them yesterday. Um, but it's it's definitely no easy task, um, you know, and coming up against England and then, you know, despite England's result against Iran, that's still not going to be a pushover. I don't think you can take them for granted. And if, they, if any team goes into that Iran game thinking, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park, then they might be the ones that get left behind. Yep, U.S. next game against England on Friday, and then they'll play Iran next week in a game that should determine who advances out of that group and who's staying home. Ross, I guess the other big uh, newsworthy result, and this was earlier today, but Argentina falling to Saudi Arabia 2-1. to one. How much does that set them back in what is Lionel Messi's final World Cup? Yeah, it's a huge shock. Um, I actually didn't get up out of bed this morning to watch it, um, but when I you know, woke up and looked at the results, I was very shocked, much like I'm sure everybody. Um, you know, I think most people would expect Argentina to qualify and, and go on to the later rounds, but um, these things happen. And that's what's so great about the World Cup is these little upsets that just shock the world and like add a little bit more excitement to the group stages and then beyond. Um, so it's a little disappointing for most fans to have Argentina lose their first game, but that's not, you know, that where Argentina are going to end. They're going to come back stronger and, and maybe still even advance. But um, I was listening to 
to the podcast with Chris um, and he's talking about how, you know, Argentina look a lot more stronger and they've gone on this unbeaten run. They're going to have to find a way to react to get back to that very, very quickly now. And that's a great reminder from our guest, Ross McMoney, is if you want to listen to previews for every team in the World Cup, you can find them on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. Just search Soccer and Snow and Smoke on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Ross is here with me to preview the final two groups here in this World Cup, starting with Group G, and I'm not sure that Brazil needed it, but not a particularly difficult group for Brazil. They're in there with Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, any of those teams capable of challenging the Brazilians? To put it bluntly, no. I don't think so either. Yeah, you know, I think Brazil's biggest struggle is going to be the amount of talent and flair players that they have and trying to keep everyone happy um, in that squad. You know, they have just an abundance, a wealth of talent in that, especially the forward line. And if you're any one of those forwards, you expect to play. Um, So keeping the ones happy that aren't on that field is going to be key to Brazil's success, I think. Um, The closest to, to challenging them I would think, based on the talent of the other squads, I would say Switzerland have got a pretty strong team. I like, you know, Xhaka's been playing incredible for Arsenal, and Mbolo, who's actually in this uh, card pack, the Panini pack that I just opened, he's a young, exciting player. So, you know, they might have some goals in there and some solid strength and depth. Yeah, one of the other teams is going to make it out of this group behind Brazil. So one of these other teams is going to be in the knockouts. But let's keep rolling on the Brazilians a little bit. I think probably the consensus favorite coming into this tournament with all the talent that they have around Neymar, is that the way you read them? Or They're in that top group, I think, with France and, and Argentina and maybe a couple other teams. Do you think they're, they're out above the rest of that top group of contenders? You know, on paper, I would say yes. Right. On, on paper, they are frightening. Um, incredible talent. Did they pick like nine forwards or something in their, That's right. in their squad? And every single one of them deserves to start in their own right. Um, it's whether they can, their coach and the team can really make the right selections that's going to like be really cohesive and they're you know just going to get the right partnerships together so that they can just vibe off of each other. Um, and then how the rest of those that aren't picked kind of entwine and align with that too. So... On paper, yeah, Brazil, it's hard to see past them. It's hard to see past France, too. Um, Shocks happen, like we saw with Argentina this morning. That's right. The other sort of thing that gives you confidence in this Brazil team is that aside from the forward line and they're spoiled for choice there, Neymar is going to play every game, but then I think they'll be rotating behind him. But there's defensive solidity in this team as well. I mean, you're picking between... Two of the best goalkeepers in the world, and Ederson, who plays for Manchester City, Allison, who plays for Liverpool. You got Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, Casemiro's getting up there in age, but he's still a really capable defensive midfielder. So you think it's a it's a team that's probably going to be hard to score on as well. Yeah, you know, even with uh, Thiago Silva being like thirty eight or whatever, I think he's he thirty seven. Yeah, thirty seven. He's you know, I watch him every week for Chelsea and he's still so smart. He he doesn't put himself in situations of any kind of danger because he reads the game so well and he just kind of stifles it out immediately. Um, so I have no concerns really about them defensively. I think, you know, when you have the ball so much anyway, like and you're 
you're going to score goals, then I think they'll keep it pretty solid at the back. And Neymar's chance really in this World Cup, I think he, he's in his prime now. He's got this great team around him. This is a player who's always been assumed to be right up there in the group of best players in the world. But, you know, he was always assumed to be the third best player in the world behind Ronaldo and Messi. Now you have players like Kylian Mbappe, Erling Haaland coming up. I mean, Robert Lewandowski and Karim Benzema have sort of staked their claims as being the best player in the world. Kevin De Bruyne. Neymar's never really been that guy. And this is his chance, I think, to really seize that on the world stage. And he's, he certainly has the talent for it. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm definitely no Neymar expert. I don't watch enough of the other leagues outside of the Premier League, to be quite honest. But um, my my biggest issue with Neymar when I watch him is just his antics. You know, he gets a little flick on the ankle and he goes down, rolling around, holding his face. And it's like, dude, come on. Like, you're so good. Just get up and play the game. Like, I just want to see him be exciting and creative and score goals and get his assists and do all the things that he's good at without all of the drama that surrounds it. It's sort of the contrast, that the dichotomy of the great Brazilian flair player like that, right? I mean, he's been embarrassing people since he was 13 years old or whatever, when he was 15 or 16, breaking into the Santos team in Brazil. And that's what people do to you when you're embarrassing them, right? They're going to try yeah. to take you down. They're going to try to foul you. And this is the way that, that he deals with it, right? By bringing attention to it, by trying to draw the referee's attention to it, by playing it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think about the contrast between a player like um, Ronaldinho, um, who doesn't have the stats that Neymar has, hasn't scored the goals or got the assists, and has, doesn't have the accolades. But for me, I take Ronaldinho in my team every day of the week over Neymar just because he doesn't roll around the way Neymar does and he still does all the tricks and flicks and he's fun to watch but he doesn't do it in a way that's disrespectful to the the opposition either um you know it's just a joy to watch and I I really hope Neymar kind of harnesses some of that Moving on from the Brazilians in this group, you mentioned Switzerland. I like Serbia a little bit in this group. Uh, I think they're two. these are two teams. I mean, getting through European qualifying is no joke, right? So if you're in the World Cup qualifying out of UEFA, first of all, you're, you're probably a pretty decent team. But these are both just teams that are, that are solid. They've got players playing in all the best teams in Europe. You mentioned a bunch of players for Switzerland. What should we expect from the Swiss? Um, you know, I expect them to be really solid defensively, very well organized, um, kind of pack it in a little bit, um, play more on the counter. Um, and I think I expect similar things from Serbia, honestly, too. Um, but when I went through their lineups, um, it just felt to me like the Swiss had more strength in depth, more strength and more experience in every position, um, whereas Serbia have some really good stars. Um, like the the guy that's playing at Juventus and scoring goals up front right now, I, I can't remember his name. Dusan Vlahovic yeah, is playing Vlahovic. at Juventus. Yeah, yeah. Serbia's got a bunch of players. Two of their best players have sort of not played in the top top leagues for a while because Dusan Tadic, the number ten, has been at Ajax for so long. After you know he played in the Premier League at Southampton for a while, but he sort of found his level at Ajax as, yeah. as the number ten there. And then Alexander Mitrovic, the forward, has been on Fulham, and they've been yo-yoing up and down, and he's he's been destroying the championship. But his last season in the Premier League didn't go so well. 
this time back in the Premier League, he's playing a lot better this year. It seems like maybe he's finally found his potential. So, you know, Serbia's got a lot of of really good players, I think. They do, yeah. For me, it's just a toss-up. It's a coin flip on those two. Um, I went with Swiss probably to come second in that group just because of, again, their strength and depth across the field. Immense game then between those two, and I think that's the game to watch in this group. I, You know, I'll be monitoring Brazil just to see if they are living up to the hype and that there's so many expectations on the Brazilians that you're going to want to see them you know, do what France did in their first game with the 4-1 win over Australia or do what England did with the 6-2 over Iran. You're going to look for similar score lines from Brazil, but really the game to watch in this group is going to be that Serbia-Switzerland game because that could decide who makes it out because, you know, I think Cameroon's maybe a step below those two. Yeah, I do think so. I, I, I would say the star in Cameroon's team is their goalkeeper, you know, but I think they're still going to find it difficult to keep goals out. You know, I'm not... I'm not super excited about Cameroon's chances in any of those games. Um, I would expect them to lose all three. And it, yeah, it will come down to me for, for second place. It will come down to Swiss and that Serbia game. Yeah, Cameroon really quickly. Andre Onana, the goalkeeper, who's another player we mentioned, Dusan Tadic. They were teammates at Ajax. I think they still are. And then up at the top of the pitch for Cameroon, Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, who's sort of bounced around for a little while and now is playing at Bayern Munich and uh, benefiting from being part of that system. He's scoring a lot of goals this year, but I'm not sure, you know, the rest of Cameroon's roster doesn't really stand out. Yeah, there's no one really that jumps off the page. There's your look at Group G from Ross McMoney's. I think we agree Brazil at the top, and then Serbia and Switzerland could be a really interesting fight for second. Ross, just really quick, a player to watch from each of these teams, either a player that's important to the way that they play or a young player who uh, people might start noticing at this World Cup or just somebody who's going to be really important to these teams if they do end up advancing. Yeah, for Brazil, I would say um, I kind of expect big things in this one from Gabriel Jesus. I think he's been incredible for Man City over the years, despite not having a solid position kind of always that backup for Aguero now he's gone to Arsenal I think he's amazing he's uh, you know directing that forward line really really well the other one I would really love to see not because I really like it but um, is Anthony you know we saw his little spin move for um, Manchester United and then he kind of gave the ball away on the sloppy pass but those are the things when I reflect as as a kid those are the things you want to see from a World Cup. You want to see those tricks and the little bit of excitement and, you know, new players that you haven't really watched before come to light that just, like, excite you. And I think Anthony could potentially be that if he can squeeze into that squad. It's going to be one of the young Brazilian forwards, whether it's Anthony or Gabriel Jesus or Gabriel Martinelli, who plays for Arsenal, or or Lucas Paqueta, the attacking midfielder. I mean, one of those players is going to, to end this World Cup as a star. Certainly, they just have so many of them it's impossible to pick yeah you know I just want to see something that will remind me of my youth like when I would watch Ronaldo the Brazilian Ronaldo or Rivaldo they you were just glued to the TV when those guys were playing and that's what I want from the Brazil team this year too Um, moving on to Swiss I mentioned him I got him in my card pack Mbolo young kid from Monaco he's a goal scorer and then the other one I would uh, the opposite end of the field is the and 
in Kanji, Akanji, Akanji, the Man yeah. City defender. I think he's done really well with Man City since joining. I've been quite impressed with him. So, you know, he's not going to be, you know, not going to set that team alight, but he could be the foundation to their success. That's the thing. Yeah, he's a player you don't want to notice him too much yeah. if he's playing well because he'll be. You know, fending off attacks, being in the right place, stopping things before they happen. And the the Swiss, they've got a good goalkeeper in Jan Sommer, but that would be really helpful for them if they're going to advance out of the group. Yeah. And then the other one from Serbia, we mentioned Vlahovic. Is that how you said it? Duzan Vlahovic, yeah. yeah. I think I'd love to see him scoring some goals and making, especially that Swiss-Serbia game, if we can get some goals out of that, like 3-2, 4-3, something like that. That yeah, would be really exciting. Yeah, both of those teams thinking that they need to get a result out of that game, you would think it would be really cagey and defensive. But, yeah. you know, both of those teams have the tools to attack, and maybe we do get something yeah. good out of that game. Yeah. And then Cameroon, the goalkeeper... Um, and I like the lad from uh, Brentford, too. Um, Embo, Embomo, something like that. Oh, Embuemo. Embuemo, yes. Brian Embuemo, yes. Yeah. Uh, same type of player as like as a lot of those Brazilian forwards, actually. Yeah. Just uh, pacey and, and yeah, yeah, tricky. I, you know, I like the way he plays. He's powerful. He's strong. He, you know, uh, his hold-up play in the attacking phase of the game is really good. Um, he brings his midfielders into play, and he's he's the type of player that, despite the country maybe not doing so well in the group stage, he could still look really good and like get a move to a bigger club from something like this. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to see in the World Cup every year because it, it's only you know three games, maybe four, maybe five games if you're one of these teams who's not one of the world powers, but it's enough time for these young players to grab the world's attention, right? And it's, you would think that teams now with all their money and all their resources would be able to scout players beyond these games, but there's always, you know, one or two or three players who will do something special at the World Cup and suddenly they get their dream move out of out of nowhere, essentially. And it's, it's always really exciting to watch. That does us for Group G, Ross McMoney's Joining me, Andrew Houghton, on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, previewing the World Cup. Finally, almost to the end here, Group H, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea. Interesting group. Who do you have as the the favorite here? Do you have one of these teams above any of the others? Looking at their squad, it's hard to see past Portugal. But again... Just with the whole saga of Ronaldo, what's happening, you know, with his interview recently with Man United and Ten Hag, and he's just, I believe he's uh, cancelled his contract. Broke this morning, actually, when I was recording with Chris Chitovitsky, Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United mutually agreeing to part ways with immediate effect, I believe, was the, the term there. And we've talked a lot about Ronaldo fitting into Eric Ten Hag's system. Was there going to be an issue there. We talked about that before the season. It quickly became apparent during the season that yes, there was going to be an issue there. Here's Manchester United making their choice, right? Whether it was going to be Ronaldo or whether it was going to be the project that they're putting together with Eric Ten Hag. I think that they've gone in the right direction here to be clear. We'll see where Ronaldo ends up. Probably a distraction that Portugal don't necessarily need. Yeah. I think that's kind of what it hinges on for me is if, the Portugal squad can make this tournament about Portugal and not about Ronaldo. Um, you know, but we've seen Ronaldo throw his 
toys out the pram and storm down the tunnel if he gets brought off or doesn't get to play. And, and if we see any of that, Portugal, I think, are in trouble. Um, but if Ronaldo buys into, you know, maybe even a bit part role, like you might come on as a sub, but come on and do your thing. If he can buy into that, then Portugal will be outstanding. But if he's going to be a problem and cause friction amongst that squad, then I could see them finishing third or even bottom of the group. Yeah, it's a tough situation for them because, and we'll get to this, I think the other three teams in this group are all quality teams. But when you look at Portugal's roster around Ronaldo, and Ronaldo's sort of the all-encompassing star, he takes all the oxygen out of the room. This is a great team around him, though. It's really good. It's really quite scary, actually, how good they could be in an attack. Um, I really like, uh, I might be jumping ahead here, but I, I like Rafael Leal. The Milan yeah. winger. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about him. I want to see him play. Rafael Leal, the young Milan winger, sort of took Serie A by storm last year. Really fast, really tricky, really good end product that he had last year. But he's joining in an attack with Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes. They've got Joao Cancelo, who is a wingback, but he's a guy who's going to be up in the attack as well. It's a, it's a scary team. And then at the back, you have, you know, Ruben Diaz, the the Manchester City center back, it's just it's a lot of talent. Yeah, they've got quality all the way through their squad. In every position, they've got really strong players. Um, so they could go far in this tournament if Ronaldo buys into it. Right. You know, right. And this story can go one of one of two ways. You know, with everything that's happened with Ronaldo recently, he could have that Zidane moment where he headbutts someone and his World Cup is over as well as his legacy and that's what he gets remembered for. Or he can go the other way and just remind the world of who he is and who he has been um, and leave on an absolute high. Yeah, and I think the thing to remember about Cristiano Ronaldo is he is, I would say, the greatest tournament player of this era, right? This is where he excels, right? He's the greatest... Champions League goal scorer of all time and of course led Real Madrid to that great run of Champions League dominance the European championships that Portugal won with him at the head this is what he's made for right these short run tournaments where he can where he can go out and dominate I mean even the last World Cup he had that incredible hat trick against Spain I think in the group stage this is what he's made for yeah but we have also seen those moments where he's, you know, being brought off early. He's not happy with it. And then he's stepping over that, that line, being more of a coach on the sideline than the actual coach. And if he does more things like that, then it can cause some friction amongst that squad. So for me, it's, it's a fine balance with how Portugal are able to like manage this environment and this tournament. And if they do it really well, they will be a really scary team for anyone to come up against. They should be the favorite in this group, but as you mentioned, this is a, this is a pool of sharks in this group. We've got three other teams who are experienced at the World Cup, who have great talent as well, and that's why you mentioned sort of the the bottom case here for Portugal is not making it out of this group because they've got teams coming up behind them. I guess I'll I'll leave it to you who we go to next, but who do you think has an edge for for second? This one's a tough. I think this is a tougher group than than some would anticipate. I think all four teams are actually quite strong. Um, I've went with Portugal to finish top of this group. I, I really think they'll f- have it figured out. Ronaldo will find his place and they'll be good. They have so much strength. 
that I think they're going to figure it out. Um, number two, I'm going with Uruguay. I think Uruguay will get through. Um, one reason for that is because I'm really excited about Darwin Nunes. Again, we've spoke about him in the past. I think he's, you know, struggled. He, he kind of hit the ground running with Liverpool, then struggled a little bit, but then has started to come back in recent games. And I think with his national team, he's really going to set this World Cup alight a little bit. And what a great narrative, right? And we see this as well for Portugal, maybe with somebody like Rafael Leal coming up as Ronaldo is fading out. But it's certainly the same thing for Uruguay because Darwin Nunez got his big money move to Liverpool in the summer. Now he's going to be the star. He's the player who's coming up, who could be one of the best players in the world for the next decade. As Edinson Cavani and Luis Suarez, this is going to be their last World Cup. Yeah, I would like Nunes to keep Suarez out of the team. Okay. <laughs> I, I look back, I was thinking about all my like World Cup memories and two came to mind with Suarez biting one of the Italian defenders. And I think it was Chiellini. Chiellini, yeah. And then uh, Suarez's handball on the line that prevented a goal and then they missed the penalty and he's like cheering on the sideline. Like I, I really don't want to see any more of those Suarez moments. Yeah, interesting. Great segue also because that Luis Suarez handball, if I'm remembering correctly, was against Ghana. I believe so, yeah. And that was, I mean, what an, you don't want to say incredible, but what's just an unlikely moment. Uh, but Ghana is back in the World Cup, back in a group with Uruguay this year. This has been one of the most consistent teams out of Africa for the last decade, and, and even in the past, I mean, the United States men's national team has had several huge battles with Ghana. It's just always a solid team that's always expecting to be in the World Cup and is always expecting at least to advance out of the group. You know, I think Ghana, my my wild card, um, they could be a team that at least excite us a little bit. Um, you know, for me, there's always one team that I'm not really expecting that, like, I just just get me out of my chair and I'm like glued to the TV. And I think this year, Ghana could be that team. Um, so, I mean, who knows? We'll see. What You know, we've heard these predictions already and we've been way off base with some of them. So you never know. There's always some shocks and upsets. But I would really like to see Ghana kind of like take this World Cup by the horns and just like have fun with it. And that brings us, I guess, to the last team in the group. South Korea is a great example of the type of team that we see a lot in these World Cups. South Korea has one world-class player and then a team around that player that is built to get the ball to that player as much as possible. It's like Poland this year with Robert Lewandowski that we talked about with Chris Chitovitsky. But is it, is it right to say that South Korea is going to go as far as Hyungmin Son can take them? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's They're going to go as far as Song can take them. Um, there is another player that I like out of that squad that we'll get to um, that might be able to add something. Um, but again, it's between Ghana and South Korea to to kind of be on the bottom end of that, that group for me. Let's talk a little bit about the players that you want to watch in this group because, because it is so murky, I think, because certainly I think... Uruguay, South Korea, Ghana all think that they can get out of the group. It could be something that sort of swings on the performance of one player having a, a huge game or even just a couple big moments, right? Hyung Min Son 
for South Korea, and I do expect him to be able to play. It would be it would be really unfortunate if he weren't able to play, and I think he's angling to play right now. It would be like a, a situation with Senegal missing Sadio Mane if he yeah. weren't able to play, and that's something that you know we saw their opening game against the Netherlands end up in a 2 nothing loss. It's something that really takes it out of you when that, that talismanic player is not able to play. Uh, but anybody else for, for South Korea? And, and let's just go through the group with, with players to watch. Yeah, I would say more so with South Korea's situation, you know, if Son isn't able to play, I don't think they have much at all in the way of a, an attacking threat. Um, the one player I do like, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but is Lee Kang-in. Um, he's a left-footed midfielder, uh, really, really technical, really attacking-minded, you know, has has so many different attributes that he can add to an attack. And I think potentially that could be the relationship as, as long as Son is fit. He might, uh, Kang In can get the ball to Son and they can make something happen. But, um, you know, I don't know a whole lot about this player, but I have watched him um you, you know a ton of YouTube videos I, I go, always go through these young up and coming players and and this is one that like constantly jumps out that people talk about um, so I'm excited to kind of see him in this event and see see what he has to offer yeah Lee Kang in attacking midfielder type like Ross is talking about playing in La Liga he's 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 a good player and you know, this is the thing. You, you don't know a lot of names on South Korea's roster besides Heung-min Son, but they've got players who are playing in those top top leagues. You know, he's it's, it's not a player who will be intimidated sort of by any of the players he's playing against. He's playing in La Liga every week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, obviously a different environment, but one that I think a player like that will relish. Like this is... Like, you know, like I said before, kind of a shop window for a lot of players. Like, okay, this is my opportunity to get a big move. Um, let me show you what I can do. And Lee is only 21, so yep. if he if you show well suddenly, you're making that big money move. Yep, absolutely. Moving on, you mentioned Gabriel Jesus is your player to watch for Brazil as well as some of those other attacking players. For Ghana, I mean, who needs to show up for them to get out of the group? You know, defensively, for Ghana is what I'm looking forward to seeing I, I really like Salisu from Southampton centre back strong physical powerful and he's a player that I would love to have you know at a Chelsea um, I think he's rock solid um, so if Ghana can use that as a platform to build on um, they may be able to do something going forward I hear lots of good things again um, f- from a young player Kudos from Ajax. Yeah, Mohamed Kudush. I'm not sure how to say that either. Yeah, yeah we're probably splitting the difference there. Yeah. But he, a, a good, a good attacking player. Yeah, you know, he somewhat of innate. He dribbles past people, breaks lines on the dribble, breaks lines on passes. Really creative, really powerful, forward running type player. Um, you know, and he, he's one that I'm hearing a lot of like. Uh, energy around there's a there's a lot of excitement about hey we want to see what this kid can do um so he's one and then uh Tyreek Lamptey I didn't even actually realize he was playing for Ghana so I, I hope he plays he's one kid that I would love to see obviously went from Chelsea to Brighton um doesn't get a whole lot of starts for Brighton but he's an exciting little outside back that I would love to to have him on the right for Ghana, just like flying down the wing, putting crosses in and being dangerous. 
Good player. I think he was part of the English youth setup for a while, so uh, made his decision to play for Ghana, and I think he'll certainly get minutes for them. This is a team with a lot of uh, recognizable names, right? Jordan and Andre Ayew are still there. Thomas Party in midfield. You know, Inaki Williams, who plays for Bilbao in, in La Liga. I mean, he's he's a player who could be, he's in his prime now. You would expect somebody like him to start taking over for Jordan and Andre Ayew in the attack there. So it's a it's a team with a lot of talent. For Uruguay, you mentioned Darwin Nunez. Uh, who else for that team? I think I've said this on, on previous podcasts. I'm never really uh, blown away by Uruguayan players. Um, you know, especially the ones that came to the Premier League have never really um, found form. You know, Diego Forlan Suarez is mainly the, the one that has been able to operate in the Premier League really well and had a consistent career. Um, Cavani's been up and down for me, so no one really jumps out other than Darwin Nunes. Yeah, for me, I guess the other one for Uruguay would be the young Real Madrid midfielder Federico Valverde, a guy who's breaking into that Real Madrid midfield that for so long was Kroos, Modric, Casemiro. Well, they're bringing in players now to try to uh, phase that midfield out as they're getting older. Fede Valverde is one of those really, uh, really fun player to watch. Actually, he's a box-to-box guy, really high energy, doesn't give up on the play, um, but really technically sound. Two great shot on him, so he'd be the the other one to watch for me. Russ, what do you what do you think are the big games in this group, especially between? you know, maybe the teams that were looking to get out of the group there? The Portugal-Uruguay game will stand out to me. But honestly, for me, I would watch all of Ghana's games. Like, I, I'm expecting Ghana to shock one of these three um, and come up with a... Even if, a, you know, 1-0 against Portugal and sneak something. I, I really think Ghana might be the wild card and, and sneak something out of these two and I would not be shocked if they finished second in the group and advanced. Well there we go. I'm pulling up Ghana's schedule right now. They're getting things started against Portugal on Thursday. So there's a great chance to make a statement and if you want to watch Ghana but you don't love getting up early, that Thursday game is going to be your best chance to watch them. Portugal and Ghana at 9 a.m. is the latest they're playing in the group stage. Then they're playing South Korea on Monday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. And then they finish up against Uruguay, which if they're going to get out of the group, that's going to be a huge game next Friday, December 2nd at 8 a.m. So there's your viewing recommendations for Group H. Ross McMoney's joining me on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. We're wrapping up our World Cup group previews. This has been a great uh, journey, great experience, bringing some experts on to talk World Cup soccer with me. But Ross, anything else that you wanted to add just about these these two groups you know i i just think back on my memories as a kid and and all the things that just come to mind like van persie's diving header and dennis burkamp's goal against argentina and i think it was france 98 there's so many just amazing memories that stand out that i'm looking for another one of those and and I'm kind of hoping it comes from Brazil because they're just just full of flair and excitement and I want that old Brazil back. I haven't seen it for a few years and and I want I want that magic. Just a reminder of how special this event is, right? Getting to watch soccer, watch the best players in the world 
for a full month straight. It only happens once every four years. So if you can, watch these games. Go out to a bar. Go out, find a watch party. Just, you know, experience it with other people. This is a point I made with Roland Benedict. a point I made with Chris Chitovitsky. Just go out and experience it because you're going to see something special. Absolutely. You're going to see something special, yes. That wraps up our World Cup previews. We'll continue our World Cup analysis and reaction all throughout this month leading up to the final in mid-December. Hope to have Ross back on. We'll be folding some other guests in. Got some exciting guests hopefully lined up for next week as well. But we'll be continuing to bring you World Cup coverage all month long on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. And remember, you can join our World Cup giveaway for a Canby Tap House gift card as well as some packs of World Cup soccer cards from Zootown Sports Cards by texting me 406-888-1029. Who do you think is going to win the World Cup? Who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot? Any answer will get you entered. Thanks again to our sponsors, Canby Tap House, Zootown Sports Cards as well as Blackfoot Communications. This has been Soccer and Snow and Smoke. For Ross McMoney's, I'm Andrew Houghton. Thank you for listening and enjoy the games.